0: Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters podcast, a series of candid conversations with leading experts about how individuals and organizations can grow and protect their
1: finances, tailored around current events and trends. Here's your host for today's podcast, Brian Peter Angelo. Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, August 19th, 2022. I'm Brian Peterangelo. Welcome to the podcast. And it's that time of year again, back to school season. So good luck to students and parents, especially those doing the college drop-off for the first time, as well as those returning to their university experience. With me today, I'd like to introduce our panel of investing experts, here to provide some additional education on this week's market activity. George Mateo, Chief Investment Officer. Steve Haight, Head of Equities and Cindy Honcharenko, Senior Fixed Income Portfolio Manager. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com wealthinsights wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. So for this week's economic data, we had a light schedule centered around housing data and retail sales. Housing starts for July fell 9.6% from the prior month, and building permits declined 1.3%, likely due to higher mortgage rates and inflationary pressures. Later in the week, existing home sales fell 5.9% in July, the sixth consecutive month of declines. Over on the side of retail sales, for July, they were flat from the prior month, or 0.0% increase. However, if you exclude gas and auto sales, The remaining components in aggregate were up 0.7%, which is a nice sign from a consumer spending perspective. Yesterday, weekly initial unemployment claims came in at 250,000, about even from last week. And the Fed meeting minutes from July were also released this week, so we'll cover them as well. So George, let's kick off the conversation with some of your observations and insights. Well,
2: I think you're right, Brian, I think it was actually kind of more of a mixed week overall in terms of some of the numbers that came out from uh, various economic reports. You know, I think the week kind of started on, on a on a sour note. Um, you know, we kind of climbed out of it from the market perspective. But there were some negative headlines early in the week with respect to some of the regional manufacturing indicators people watch, which suggest actually a slight slowdown. And uh, those numbers were kind of, I think, a bit worse than expected. Um, housing looks like it's in a recession, frankly. So the numbers throughout the week suggest that the housing market is really um, downturning, I guess, if you will, or signaling a downturn for sure. Um, Probably not surprising given where interest have been and maybe some of the overall levels of affordability have been pretty stretched. So we've been talking about this for quite some time, but we continue to get more and more confirmation that, um, that the housing sector is, uh, is really falling down pretty pretty sharply and slowing down pretty meaningfully. Uh, on the other hand, though, it seems like retail sales have actually kind of picked up. So it looks like the consumer is still spending. Um, by my calculations, uh, sales were up some 10% year over year. Some of that probably has to do with price, though. You know, we, we were all paying for more than we were for many things. But uh, nonetheless, momentum seems pretty strong. Um, and some of the numbers in the e-commerce line uh, was actually really strong so maybe it was Amazon sales or back to school or something like that but it suggests that the consumer is still doing pretty well from a spending perspective Um, and then also later in the week um, kind of contradicting that regional report that I mentioned earlier um, the overall broader measure of industrial activity was actually pretty brisk so I'm not sure how to square those uh, two circles but it seems to suggest that the manufacturer was actually stronger than expected. Um, we talked about jobless claims. They were actually um, ed- edged down a little bit. So that's one thing we've been kind of watching as a earlier indicator for what's happening in the labor market. It still seems it's pretty healthy. We'll get some more numbers in a couple of weeks on the, the official employment situation. Um, but the fact that employment um, is, is actually stabilizing is probably a good thing. And uh, in the face of this all, the Fed uh, has been out. I'm really to sure what Cindy has to say about that, but the Fed speakers have been out in force this week talking pretty hawkishly about things and suggesting that, get inflation is likely to remain uncomfortably high for a while, uh, which is kind of what we've been saying as well, too. But uh, in the face of that, the stock market has rallied, uh, Credit markets are, are pretty healthy and, and actually been stronger as well. So it seems like economic health is not a near-term worry. I'm still kind of a little bit concerned about what the economy might look like in a couple months from now. Uh, but for now, you've got inflation cooling um, coming off the boil a little bit. The economy is slowing, but it's still growing. So I think the market is responding to the fact that uh, inflation at the margin is getting better uh, and the economy is actually hanging there pretty well. So you've got those forces happening right now, Our earnings have come down a little bit. Um, Steve had a really interesting chart in his uh, his chart back this week. That showed that very visibly, um, but nonetheless things are kind of hanging on for right now, it seems like but Steve, what's your your view of the market these days from the equity market perspective?
3: Well, a couple different things first off though, the jump on the the economic numbers, you know the retail sales numbers, if you strip out some of the some of the more chunky items we we saw them up pretty solidly, and you know I think what this reflects to me is. That when you have oil prices come off the boil, uh, you see that effectively work as a tax cut for the American consumer. So the fact that oil prices and natural and gasoline prices that people are paying at the pump are lower now than they were three months ago or six months ago uh, has acted as a tax cut, which has helped to boost these retail sales numbers that we're seeing today. Now that's a great thing. My question here is, though, whether that's really sustainable as we move into the back end of the year, because I think uh, crude oil prices continuing to hang out above eighty five dollars when everybody thought that they were going to be lower than that at this point in time. kind of makes me wonder if we're not headed back for another leg up in in oil prices and hence gas prices as we move into the fall. So that's something to keep our eyes on. as the the market, you know, look, the market has now rallied up and th- through that 4177 number that we talked about all summer, and we we tag the 200 day moving average this week. Um, as far as putting on my technical hat goes, it really does suggest to me that once we get into this area where the 200 day is roughly around 4320, um, we're gonna we, we likely are gonna see a bit of a pause. I mean, we've come very far, very fast now. A lot of people talk about very far, very fast and think that that's a bad thing. Actually, if you look historically, when we come very far, very fast, that bodes really well for for forward returns for equity investors out 12 months. Um, Too far, too fast is bullish. So I think that if we get a pause here, it's a pause that's likely going to to be one that investors should be uh, very interested in buying. Part of the reason why we've been able to come so far so fast has been because of the fundamental backdrop. So everybody, I think, really came into earnings season for Q2 thinking numbers were going to get significantly marked down. And that just did not happen. We had earnings numbers come down as forward guidance based on some economic slowing uh, impacted. Impacted the estimates that analysts are putting together, but we only saw the forward twelve month earnings number come down from just shy of two hundred and forty dollars for the S and P five hundred to two thirty six sixty, and we've really stabilized over the last uh, three weeks here. So uh, earnings, as far as I'm concerned, that's a positive because people were thinking that this was going to be really bad, that you were going to see numbers get marked down significantly. So that provided the fundamental backdrop not being you know when we say in the the markets when things go from from bad to less bad that's a really good thing, and I, I think that the expectations for earnings season were so bad that when they came in less bad that was a really good thing. And it truly provided the fundamental backdrop for this successful momentum ignition that we've seen the market have over the last two or three weeks. Yeah, it's then, curious to
2: see that the fact that the Fed was tightening, right? And most people, when, I, when you know, we kind of came into this year thinking this would be kind of a, a choppy year, and we we got that in spades in the first half. But I can remember seeing—I'm sure you do too—you know, people were throwing charts around in you know January, February, March that said you know the the market actually responds pretty well to the first tightening. It's the last couple of tightenings that people get really concerned with. So you know, the market seemed to kind of preempt the Fed a little bit because the market was actually selling off before the Fed actually you know did their work, so to speak. Uh, and now you're right that m- most most people thought that earnings would be the next leg to to fall or the, the next shoe to drop,
3: and it really hasn't right earnings have come down a little bit, but markets have kind of been looking through that absolutely they've been they've been looking through that, and then you know george on your your comment about uh front running the the fed i mean we've been playing the front running the fed game it seems like all year whether it was to the to the to the downside or now to the upside, and you know the 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 financial conditions here in the U.S. One of the things that I, I stumbled across in the last couple of weeks, and just kind of mind-boggling to me, is that you know there are a number of these different financial conditions indexes that that various broker-dealers or, or other entities put together, um, and if you they they amalgamate a whole bunch of different uh, economic measures to to figure out is uh, is liquidity tightening or is liquidity loosening here in in the U S because if there's more liquidity, um, you have, or liquidity is, is loosening, you end up with, with a a more bullish backdrop for the market. And, you know, we saw one of the largest declines in U S financial conditions, meaning financial conditions easing, getting more loose, uh, from the last FOMC meeting until today. Uh, that we have ever seen on record. And it's kind of mind-boggling to me that in the midst of this inflation situation, uh, Powell's comments uh, coming out of that last FOMC meeting were perceived as being so dovish that we got a reaction uh, of easing of financial conditions that was on par with those we saw during 2016, 2018, and 2020 post-COVID, which is mind-boggling to me when you think about it. Yeah, well, that's the the exact opposite thing that the Fed wants, right? I mean, the Fed
2: wants to slow things down. They want to see inflation come down. And as you point out, um, the market liquidity from liquidity wise, the market is responding more favorably. So I think it's it's an odd backdrop. And I think that really just magnifies how uncertain, how unprecedented these times are. I I hate using that word because everybody uses that word unprecedented. But it truly, truly is. Uh, And again,
3: you've got stocks and bond prices kind of moving together, uh, which also is somewhat uncommon. I think it's also too, George, goes to part of the reason why so many investors are so confused right now about what to be doing. Because even though you've got this strong momentum impulse behind the market, there are a tremendous number of strategists and other folks, really smart people you see on financial TV and other places, who are telling you this is still nothing more than a bear market rally. And you know they have gotten caught on the wrong side of this in a big way. And it really does seem to me um, that you know, the 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 fundamentals, the market itself is seen through some of these fundamentals that that look so weak and, and is really playing for the other side right now.
2: Yeah. So I think we went neutral kind of on on risk assets uh sometime early this spring, around March or April. So and uh, I still think that's an appropriate place to be. I mean, I don't think you want to be over your skis with respect to equity risk in general, but you don't want to be totally bearish either, as you pointed out, Steve. But the Fed, I think, is probably still driving the game, so uh, we should probably bring Cindy in the conversation. You know, this Fed is a little bit quiet right now, Cindy, in the sense that they're not officially meeting until September, but of course they've got, um, they've, they've got the, uh, the ability to come out anytime and, and speak their mind. So what do you think is happening with the Fed right now, and what should we be listening towards um, later this month when they get together in, uh, in Wyoming?
4: Well, the Fed speakers that we've ha- heard from this week have been very hawkish. Uh, they're they're tough and t- they're talking tough. Uh, but the minutes that came out on Wednesday were pretty consistent with Chair Powell's, you know, message at the July presser, suggesting that ongoing increases to the federal funds rate will likely be appropriate, but will also be data dependent. Uh, the minutes stated that as the stance of monetary policy tightens further, it would likely become more appropriate at some point to slow the pace of policy rate increases while assessing the effects of cumulative policy adjustments on economic activity and inflation. Uh, More importantly, the committee noted that tightening by more than necessary is a risk, but also allowing inflation to become entrenched is an even more significant risk. So to that end, the consensus right now is expect a 75 basis point Fed hike at the September meeting. But if we see a slow growth in in the jobs report for September, we could see a 50 basis point hike. So we've really got to watch the data. As far as Jackson Hole, uh, up until yesterday, it didn't even look like Powell was speaking because he wasn't even on the Fed calendar. I do see him out there today uh, on Friday, the, the 26th. He's speaking at 10 a.m., giving an economic outlook. I think there's going to be four things uh, that he's going to reiterate. He's going to reiterate the steps that the Fed has taken to combat inflation, uh, that the Fed's committed to bringing down inflation, uh, that more rate hikes will remain appropriate, and they are going to be data dependent. I really don't think he's gonna provide much guidance on the outlook as far as the September FOMC meeting, uh, but the uh, September payroll report is definitely gonna be uh, key there. Uh, I'm not expecting much of a signal or policy shift from Powell at Jackson Hole, and um, I expect that he'll likely reiterate key themes from his uh, presser uh, after the July FOMC meeting and really focus on that data independence.
3: I'm always fascinated when we get to this kind of point in the calendar because we had, I, I, I think one of, the, one of my favorite things to do is to pay attention to the, the people who used to be on the Fed who are no longer on the Fed because it seems like they can actually speak truth to power for lack of a better word. <laughs> and uh, William Dudley uh, here came out this week and really took, the Fed chair to task for his communications here recently and said that he needed to use Jackson Hole as an as an opportunity to kind of clarify his his views on things I I found that fascinating and then and then sure enough as you said Cindy now now Powell shows up on the the speaker's list how curious that that happened right after Dudley's op-ed in the Wall Street Journal
4: Exactly, yeah, because he wasn't even on on the schedule. So I wasn't one hundred percent sure he was even speaking next week. and And you're right. now all of a sudden he's on the calendar. But um, Bullard and Kashkari this week, they're full steam ahead. They're saying seventy five basis points, and they're not looking for a, a decrease in rates next year either. So a lot of tough talk. I'm really surprised by Kashkari being as as much of a dove as he is.
2: Well, I think it's going to set up for another interesting week and and probably a bit more volatility as we come back to school and get ready for the fall. So again, as I said a few minutes ago, I think we'd probably still want to emphasize kind of a neutral position towards risk assets in general, um, not getting too far over our skis and expecting more volatility, which has been kind of our constant theme now for much of 2022.
1: Well, a great conversation today. And George, Steve, and Cindy, thanks for your insights. We appreciate it. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. And as always, past performance is no guarantee of future results. And we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information. And we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth
0: Institute is comprised of a collection of financial professionals representing key entities including Key Private Bank, Key Bank Institutional Advisors, Key Private Client, and Key Investment Services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, Member FDIC, and Equal Housing Lender. Key Private Bank and KeyBank Institutional Advisors are part of KeyBank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services LLC or KISS, member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through KeyCorp Insurance Agency USA Incorporated or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with KeyBank. Investment and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2022.